that car got given away yesterday. <laughs> You're daylight. Good morning, everybody. God bless you. Good to see you this morning. Um, I want to pray with you first, and then we're going to get into the Word. I want to thank our worship team. You guys always do a great job. We're proud of you. All right, so um, I've got a message I want to share with you. We're going to be in uh, Jeremiah chapter, um, chapter 2 and 3, and then we're going to jump to James. So if you want to just kind of put a place mark in your Bible so you can be there or just follow us on the screen. But before we get started, why don't you just join with me for a moment in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to just bless you. We express our love to you today, just tell you that we love you. Lord, um, we pray that you just would help us to love you in a greater way. Lord, our desire is you, to know you, to know you in a, in a greater way. Lord, to love you, as Jesus said, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and all of our strength, God. And we just pray that you would help us to do that. And we know that many times in life, Lord, it's easy for us to get sidetracked. But uh, we pray that, I pray this morning, pray for those 41 that were baptized. I want to just pray for them again uh, this morning. If you're here this morning, I just, I pray God's Holy Spirit would be upon you, that he would lead you and guide you in ways that would bring honor and glory to his name. I pray that he'd help you to overcome all the obstacles that you face in your life. Um, Lord, I just pray your blessing on them. I just, Lord, we were so blessed, unbelievably blessed last week by the number that just, men and women that just kept coming and coming. And uh, as your word says that the sacrifice that a that the Lord doesn't despise is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. And we saw that over and over and over again, just wanting to be freed from their sins and starting a new relationship or a deeper commitment with you, Father. And so, God, we just give you praise for that. We thank you for your Holy Spirit wooing and drawing men and women to yourself. So, Lord, we ask your anointing to fall, that your Holy Spirit's presence would be here this morning, that you would prepare our hearts to receive your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Now, i tell you what, before I get started, why don't you just uh, go to someone you don't know, say hello real quick, just take a minute or two, and it'll give me a second to get my act together here.
Okay, if you would, please find your way back. I want to start out of uh, Jeremiah chapter 2. And, uh, you know, I, I heard Francis uh, Chan uh, share this, and, and it was just so good. It just stuck on my heart, and I just thought, you know, I've got to share this with you guys. Um, it's from Jeremiah chapter 2, as I mentioned. We'll move to James in just a moment, but let me read through some of this, and I want to just kind of talk about it for a second. But at the beginning of chapter 2, verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to me. You remember in chapter 1 that Jeremiah was a lot like Moses uh, and God's, he, he, God saying, you know, uh, before, this is one of my favorite scriptures because it just it's hard for me to even comprehend. But he says, before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you and had a call and a plan and a purpose for your life. And you can read that in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. I think it says the same thing. He says, I know the, the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. You know, plans for good and, and to prosper you and to help you, kind of like Shirley was saying, you know, that we serve a good God. You know, one of the things that I hear over and over again, and I bet you've heard this too, that, you know, the God of the Old Testament seems to be a God that's an angry God, that's a mad God, that's a, you know, God that's, uh, you know, that he's a, a, a warring God, that, you know, that he's kind of a, a vengeful God. But, you know, uh, the Bible tells us, uh, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, in Hebrews it says that Jesus said that, that he, speaking about God, uh, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. And then in the book of Get My, uh, Malachi, God says, I'm the Lord God. I don't change. And so, you know, he can't be a different God in the Old Testament than he is in the New Testament. And so uh, I think we'll see this. I think this pa passage of Scripture kind of draws that out. But as uh, Jeremiah is, you know, God's sending him to the nations, and Jeremiah is a lot like Moses at that point. He's like, man, God, I'm just young. I'm, I'm a young man. I don't really, I don't even know how to speak. I'm not that good. And that's the same word that, you know, that, that's the same thing that Moses said. And God said, you know, well, you know, who made you and who made your mouth? And it's like, okay, all right, I get it. So if you're sending me, you're going to speak through me. So uh, the word of the Lord came to me, go and proclaim this in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride, and remember how the, in the New Testament we're called the bride of Christ. God is, you know, referring to Israel as being his bride in the Old Testament. He says, I remember the devotion of your youth and how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness and through a land not sown. And so what he's saying is that I just remember this relationship, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, it's still about relationship. And, and God's saying, I remember this relationship that we once had. I remember how you know, you used to love me and how I loved you and I cherished you and I cared for you. Um, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. And you remember that as they went into the promised land, that uh, every enemy that came up, while Israel, Israel was faithful to God, Every enemy that came up against them were defeated. God defeated every one of them. It was only when they would backslide or they'd turn their back on, on God or when they would depart from God that God just said, you know, you've removed your protection. You don't have the protection that you had before when we had a relationship. And that's what he's talking about here. He says that uh, 
He says, all of those that came against you were held guilty and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. He says, hear the word of the Lord, you descendants of Jacob and all you clans of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord that brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through the land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? Yet I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. But you came in and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. And what God's saying is, I gave you, a sh I showered you with all of these good things, and you've turned your back on me. Where's the love relationship that we had before is what God is saying. He says, um, the priests don't even ask, where's the Lord? And those that deal with the law don't know me. The leaders have rebelled against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal. Uh, following worthless idols. Therefore, I bring this charge against you again, declares the Lord. I will bring charges against your children's children. Cross over to the coast of Cyprus and look. Send to Kedar and observe closely. See if there's ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? And we think about, you know, all of the nations that they came up against, the Philistines. Remember, they had the temple to Dagon, um, all of the Amalekites. The, the, uh, they had te uh, temples, and their gods were Baal and uh, the Asherah poles and all of these things. And they said none of these nations, even though they were ungodly nations, they hadn't changed their god. But you've gone into this land, and you've changed your god. And instead of you know, choosing me, you've chosen the gods of these nations. Has, has a nation ever changed its god, yet they are not gods at all? But my people have exchanged their glorious god to worthless or for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and sh shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. Remember what uh, Jesus said, that he was the living water. Anyone that drinks of him is drinking of living water. He says, they've committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have, have chosen and dug their own cisterns. A cistern is just a, a hole in the ground that catches like uh, rain runoff. And the water has to run, you know, through a trench or a ditch or a street before it gets to the cistern, um, you know, where uh, it would hold the water. And he says, even the cisterns are broken and they can't even hold water. He says, you know, you've ch exchanged me and my glory, this living water, for a cistern, a hole in the ground that's got a crack in it and can't even hold water. And after a while, the water becomes stagnant. When I was in Israel, had an opportunity to go into a cistern and you're walking across just what looks to be like level ground, and you see like a little, like almost like a manhole cover. They lift it up, and there was a ladder that we could go down. And then there was a, a room probably as large, larger than this right here uh, that was carved out of sandstone. And uh, uh, it would just hold water, and then you'd drop a bucket, you know, down in it and, you know, draw your water out. But God is saying, why would you do this? I don't know, how many of you have ever seen an artesian well? 
You know what an artesian well is? Only just a few of you have. You know, I, I mean, I've seen, you know, several being in the real estate business, and my background's real estate, you know, I'd be on different properties. But, I mean, just out of the ground, you walk over, and it's just all of a sudden water's just bubbling up out of the ground. It's just, you know, free-flowing, and it doesn't get any cleaner than that. I mean, it's just like right out of the ground, just fresh, clean water. And that's what God's saying. This is what you had, and you traded that for this, this, you know, for these worthless idols. He says, uh, um, is, is Israel a servant, a slave by birth? Why then has he become plundered? Lions have roared and they have growled at him and they have laid, his land, uh, laid waste his land. His towns are burned uh, and deserted. That's from Jeremiah chapter 2, 1 to 15. And it, then he goes on to say, I myself said, how gladly would I treat you uh, like my children, this is in chapter 3, and give you the pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. But like a woman unfaithful to her husband, so has Israel. You have been unfaithful to me, declares the Lord. Let me just give you an example of what he's saying. Um, I got a wallet here. Who wants to trade me all the cash in your wallet for all the cash that I have in my wallet this morning? <laughs> all right. Wait a second. Uh, Jordan, I know you don't even have a job, dude. So don't, even, <laughs> don't raise your hand. All right, wait a second. Wait a second. I'm going to give you, this is the real deal. I'm going to give you all the cash in my wallet for all the cash that's in your, your wallet. You know, I mean, it's game on. Who wants to do it? Who wants to do it? All right, let's see. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose Jim. All right, all right. Let's see what you got. I know you have a job. You have a very very good job too. All right. Well, how much is it? I I need to know how much it is. Ninety-one dollars? Okay. You know what I have in my wallet? Ooh, I made a bad deal. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <No>. Nothing. <laughs> Here. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. This is this is the point that I'm trying to make. That huh? <laughs> he told me to. All right, so this is what we do all the time in life. We do this all the time in life. We trade the great things that God wants to give us for what the world has to offer. I mean, you know, and it's just like when we get to the end of it, it's like, you know, my God, why did I do that? Why did I do that? There's never been a person on this planet that has ever gone through life and got to the end of the life and is facing Lord, the Lord saying, you know, I wish, I wish that I would have, you know, done life differently. I wish that, I, I mean, as far as I wish I had, a, you know, worked harder or made more money or, or done better in my life and not said, Lord, you know, I, I, I had forsaken you, the fountain of living water for the things that the world had to offer to me. Let's jump over to... Uh, Let's jump to James, and um, in the book of James, he says, uh, well, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 22, 
uh, he says, return faithless people. Now listen to this. This is good. He says, return faithless people and I will cure you of your backsliding. Notice that he says that I will cure you. It's not like you have to work real hard. You know, it's not like that. You have to, you know, it's just God doing it. It is God drawing you. It is God. We were talking about this in our Friday night study out of Romans that says that, that God, it's the kindness of God or the goodness of God that calls us to repent. Remember, we've been on this theme from Acts 2.38 um, when, when that group of people asked Peter what they should do after they had uh, killed and you know, crucified and, and put to death Jesus on the cross and how they, uh, you know, uh, he was buried and put in the tomb and raised from the dead. And all of a sudden, it's just like the light goes on and, and, and the hope that you know, the promise that we've been waiting for for all of these years, we have killed the Messiah. And they, you know, they cry out to Peter in their brokenness. And then they're like, you know, you know, what should we do? And he says, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, repent. That's the first step. But, but Romans tells us that, it's, that repentance is a gift of God. That repentance is the goodness of God. It's the kindness of God that, you know, we can't even repent on. I mean, we can confess our sins. But, you know, that true brokenness, that's got to come from God. We get to the place where we realize how, God, how good God is and how we have, have uh, forsaken him. Um, so in, in the book of James, James chapter 1, starting at verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one that perseveres under trials, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those that love him. When tempted... Now, notice he's talking about two different things. He's talking about a trial, and he's talking about temptation. And actually, the words translate the same in the Greek. It says, when tempted, no one should say that, that God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone with evil. But each person is tempted, notice this, when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. All right. He says, first of all, that when trials come your way, that God allows trials to come our way. And trials are um, objective. It's, they, they come our way to build us up, to strengthen us. You'll never clear the three-foot hurdle until you clear the two-foot hurdle or the one-foot hurdle. It's just like these trials come our way, and you've got to get past this before you can go on to the next step. And so these are trials, and we'll all face them. Some of you are going through trials right now. And, and, and temptations, we're just bombarded with temptations. Uh, this, this scripture right here, it says that when we're tempted, we shouldn't say that God is tempting me. You know, it's just like, you know, God, you know, you've given me, you know, more than I can take. It's just like, you know, I'm just, I'm just giving in to the temptation. I mean, it's the blame game. It, you know, it goes all the way back to Genesis. Because when God asked Adam, he said, what, what did you do? And he said, well, it's the woman that you made. You made her. And when he looked at the woman, he says, what did you do? And she said, well, it's the serpent. It's the devil. You made him. That's why, I, that's, the way, that's why I am the way that I am. You know, but the, the problem really lies within. The Bible says that it comes from within. These temptations, it says, but each one is tempted when they are dragged away 
by their own evil desires. This is from within us. And says that, and then by their own evil desires, they are enticed. And that word comes from, it's actually, uh, the word means lured. It's actually a fisherman's term. And I, I've brought some examples for you this morning. I ho hope you don't mind. But uh, I love to fish. And I've got, uh, I've got something here. A tangle. This is usually how my fishing trips go uh, with these tangled little lines like this right here. But I have a, uh, all right, can you see that? That's a gummy worm right there. All right, any, any takers for, for a, anybody going to be enticed for a, a gummy worm? Anybody, any of you adults? I, I know I should have gone to children's church with this. I, I would have had a lot of takers there. Okay. All right. So, so when the devil does this, he tries to entice you and tries to lure you away, and that doesn't work. Okay. So what's he do? Does he give up? No, he doesn't give up. He just goes to his tackle box. I have a tackle box here this morning. And so um, I, ha I have uh, all of the tools of his trade in my, in my tackle box. And so, um, all right, so what does he do? Well, this is what he does right here. He does something like this right here. Oh, yeah. It's a big, shiny, red beamer. I, can you see it? Man, it's a heavy one, too. All right. Is that going to work for you? Is that going to get you right there? Let's, let's see if that can get your mind off of God for a little while. I'm going to put this in front of you, and we won't be thinking about God. You never thought when you gave me this that I'd be using it for <laughs> this kind of an illustration right here. But okay, all right, so all right, are you not biting on that? Okay, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I've, got, uh, I've got some more. I've got some more right here because he, he's not going to quit. He's not going to quit until he really is able to, uh, to snag you. And so, uh, oh, oh, all right. Uh, uh, all right, all right. Let's bite on this right here for a little bit. Who's, who's going for this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's sweet. She's sweet. She, I, I mean, she's absolutely sweet. You know how hard it was for me to find a Barbie doll? You don't know how many calls I had to make to find a Barbie doll, you know. Uh, Danae, thanks to Danae, I found one. Anyway, you know, uh, is this going to work? Is this, can, I, can I bring you down? Can Satan bring you down with this right here? Because if that doesn't work, well, he's got, he's got something else that will work. All right? I mean, he's got all kind of things in his, uh, in his little box that will work um, to, uh, to get you. All right? Here's one more. And this is right here. All right, how about this right here? That's the Benjamin Franklin right there. Okay, all right. All right, Jim. Jim. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, really. I mean, you know what he's saying? You know what he's saying? You know, why are you in church? You don't have to be in You shouldn't be in church on Sunday. Where you can be out making some of this right here. In fact, it's costing you money to be here. You're going to have to throw some of this in the plate in a little while. You know, all of these things... All day long, we are bombarded with. It's called temptation. And so, um, you know, don't anybody touch that, okay? <laughs> I, got, I got to take that home. <laughs> uh, but so, 
Every day. I mean, you know, trials are coming our way. God's trying to strengthen us and strengthen us and, and, and make us and shape us and mold us into the image of his son. And the enemy is just constantly throwing this. In fact, uh, you know, the scripture says that, you know, the fiery darts of the enemy, you know, that hold up the shield of faith so that you can ward off the fiery darts of the enemy. And, and, and that's just a I mean, just a, a, a simple example of what we face every day and almost all day long. I mean, it's just constantly coming at you, coming at you, coming at you. So what do you do? What do we do? Well, here's, here's what you need to do. Hebrews chapter 2 or 12 verse 2, it says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Really, that's the bottom line. I mean, you know, you can try to fight temptation. You can just, you know, try to, I mean, some of you that, are, you know, have strong personalities, like I'm not, I'm just, I'm determined. I'm not going to smoke again, or I'm not going to drink again, or I'm not going to do this again. But the easiest way to do it is if your mind is set. Have you ever been, uh, you know, like you're so in the zone. I mean, it's just like, well, for me, all right, if I, if I found something in a store that I really, really want, you know, usually it's in the sporting goods department. I mean, I promise you, I could walk right past you and never even know you were there. I mean, I wouldn't say hi. I was just like, I am so focused on getting back there. Jim was telling me this happened to him the other day, that he walked past somebody and they said hello and he just, you know, he either didn't hear it or didn't recognize it or he was so focused on something that, you know, he didn't say anything and like the next day he gets a phone call. It's like, what, are you mad at me or what, you know? Uh, but it happens to all of us. You get so focused on something that, you know, there, there are no distractions around. And that's what the Lord is saying. You know, if you want to overcome these temptations in your life, you get focused on Jesus. You get so focused. It says, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And so when these temptations are coming to you, I mean, the best analogy that I could use from the Bible is when Joseph is being seduced by this woman and he tries everything that he can to keep, to get away from her. And finally, I mean, he just like, I mean, he drops his cloak and he's out the door. He is running. He is on the run from this woman that's trying to seduce him. So number one, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Number two, or same thing, but to, uh, from Colossians chapter 3, it says, set your mind. Fix your, fix your eyes on Jesus and set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on this earth. And then just kind of wrapping this up, um, and while I'm doing this, I'm gonna, this is our first Sunday of the month. It's our communion Sunday, so our servers would go and if you would gather the elements and bring those back up while I close with these next couple of scriptures. He says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen to this. Don't be distracted. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my word. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those that find them. What's he talking about? He's talking about his word. The Word of God is life to those that find them and health to one's body. And then he says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. He's saying just concentrate on God. Think about the Word of God. Think about Jesus. 
you know, run to Jesus. Oh, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in a place like this. I have been. I was just like, you know, you get to a place where it's like you so don't want to sin and the temptation is just like so there. It's just like, I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's just just pulling at you and tugging at you. And, and, and I've been at that place before where I just say, God, before I do this, before, we, before I sin, just take me. Just take me. I'm serious, God. Just kill me. Absolutely kill me. I give you permission. Kill me before I do this. I'm going to show up dead one of these days, and some of you are going to be thinking, oh, he was just about to do it. <laughs> but seriously, you know, he says, um, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to your path, uh, the path for your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot or your feet from evil. Now, Jesus said in the New Testament, he says it like this. He says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these are the things that defile him. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false testimony and slander. He said, these are the things that defile us. And so, so guys, you know, really the bottom line is that, you know, if you're in a place today where you feel like you've traded God, like Judas, remember 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver for Jesus. And then I think he's looking at the silver, and I think he's looking at the Son of God being beaten and then dragged to the cross. I think he's looking at it and thinking, I traded, I traded this for that, the precious Lamb of God. I traded. I've traded this fountain of living water for a broken, cracked cistern that doesn't even give me fresh water. And guys, I, I want to just tell you that I'm not pointing the finger at any of you because I've been through this myself, okay? Um, all of us go through times of trial, and we all go through times of temptation where we trade the things of God for the things that are so temporal. Never trade the temporal for the eternal. You'll regret it. You'll absolutely regret it. So I want, to, I want you to just stand. I want you to pray with me. Uh, I want us to examine our hearts this morning. Paul, when he was writing to the church at Corinth, said, I want you to examine your heart. And, um, you know, he says, uh, don't eat or drink uh, the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in an unworthy manner. He's, it's like a warning. He says that those that have done that uh, sleep. It's a, just the Christian way of saying that they, uh, they die prematurely. They go before their time. And uh, so he says, let us examine our hearts today. David said it this way, I think at the end of Psalm 139, he said, search me, O Lord, and try me, and see if there's any wicked way or evil way within me. And once the Holy Spirit puts his finger on that spot, yes, this is what you've done this week or yesterday or today or whenever. This is what you've done that was wrong, that was sinful. It was, a, you know, something you said that you shouldn't have said or something that maybe you should have said. But the, the Bible is so clear that he says, I will be merciful to their transgressions 
and their sins and their iniquities. I will remember no more. He says, as far as the east is from the west, I will separate you from your sins. He says, I will take all of your sins and cast them into the depth of the sea. He says, if you confess your sin, that he, speaking about Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness if you confess your sin before him. In Isaiah, he says, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. You've got to see that that's the heart of God. The heart of God is for you to be white as snow. Remember in Revelation 19, it says that Jesus is coming back. And those that are coming back with him are wearing white raiment. That's what I want to be wearing. That's what I want my heart to be like right now. So before we partake of, of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want us to just search our hearts and just confess every sin, any sin. And if you would, just right now, just kind of in a counterclockwise manner, if you'll come and take the elements, take the bread, and take the, uh, take the cup, go back to your seat, and we will partake together.
So on the night that uh, Jesus was betrayed, we remember, remember the story from John's Gospel. And uh, as a serving of uh, the Passover meal, they're partaking in the Passover meal. Um, they, uh, Jesus looks at the disciples, and at, I think it was the third, between the third and the fourth cup, uh, all of a sudden he just takes the, the Passover meal and uses it as an uh, object lesson, and he says, this bread is my body which is broken for you. And he says, I want all of you to take and, and eat of my body. And we remember and know from just Jewish culture that when they do the Passover meal, they would say, blessed art thou, O Lord our God, king of the universe, who brings forth bread from the field. We partake of the body of Jesus Christ. The word goes on to say that Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And in that Passover tradition, the Jews would say, blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit of the vine. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins as we partake. I want you guys, if you would, just take, take those cups and just set them on your chair for a second. And just with your eyes closed, if you feel comfortable, just kind of just lifting your hands half mass, full mass, however you feel, um, just to receive, just like if God was going to pour something to you or he was going to hand something to you because I believe that our God never sends anyone away empty. So, Father, we bless you. We bless you for this time this morning. Lord, we say, here's our cup. Fill it up. Fill it up, Lord. Fill up our cup. Lord, that we may be like David, he says, my cup overflows. That's the kind of people that we want to be. In every area of our life, Lord, I pray for each one here that their cup would overflow uh, spiritually. I pray that their cup would overflow physically. I pray that their cup would be overflow emotionally, Lord, that you'd just put gladness and joy just to the point where they can't contain the gladness and the joy. Father, I pray that you would... Uh, prosper your people, that they would have more than enough, Lord, not just enough, but they would have more than enough, Lord, that uh, you would bless your people, that you would give so that we in turn can give. Lord, uh, I pray, bless your people, keep your people, cause your face to shine upon your people, and give your people your peace. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and God's people said, with a loud shout, Lord, we love you, amen, praise God. All right, God bless you. Love you guys. Have a great week.